Welcome to Public Policy This Week, a well-rounded weekly discussion of policy issues that frame today's American experience. Good morning. It is Friday, August 4th, and you've joined us for Public Policy This Week here on KYMN Radio. This show is dedicated to the honest and open discussion of public policy issues. Each week, we take a look at a specific policy subject, and we have guests on the show who are experts in their field. I'm Rich Larson, your host for this week's show. On August 1st, this past Tuesday, Minnesota became the 23rd state to legalize recreational use of marijuana. However, the legality is not without complications. The state has yet to organize the newly created Office of Cannabis Management. There is no staff, no set guidelines for the sale of cannabis, no licensing procedures. The state has not even yet named an administrator to run the department. Possession and use of cannabis and cannabinoid products are legal to a point, as is transportation of cannabis with restrictions. Cannabis is legal to grow in Minnesota, but there are restrictions there as well. With us today to help us understand the new law, the restrictions, and to identify some of the ambiguities and gray areas is Mark Elliott, Northfield, Minnesota's Chief of Police. Chief Elliott, welcome to the public <laughs> welcome to public policy this week, and thanks for giving us some of your time today. Hi, Rich. Good to be here with you. I, uh, I, I let, let let's be honest. I have been hounding you for uh, at least a month, maybe two months, maybe since they they passed the law. Like, I got to get some time with you. I, I, I want to sit down with you and let, let's really dig into this stuff. So, and you happened to be uh, we're pre-recording this show. You happened to be on with. Uh, uh, Jeff Johnson this morning on the KYM and morning show. And you just looked at me and said, I've got an hour this afternoon. Let's do this. So I, <laughs> I really appreciate this. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, like you said, Rich, uh, we've been talking about this since it, this legislation passed, which was about two months ago. Yeah. I think the governor signed it on May 30th, maybe. Sounds about and, right. um, yeah, so two months later we have uh, legalized possession. So it came pretty quick. And uh, I think a lot of folks have questions um, yep. on what it means. Boy, do they ever. I want to read you something that I, I got on an email. E- this was emailed to me about two hours ago. Okay. I, t- we should tell people t- today is uh, as we're recording this. This is uh, Wednesday, August 3rd. And, and uh, the law has been in effect for about 37 hours now. Okay. So. Uh, this is a, a, a press release from the city of Faribault, uh, dated, uh, dated August 2nd. On August 1st, 2023, at approximately 4.50 p.m., officers responded to several citizen complaints that were received regarding a local business selling marijuana plants during a parking lot tent sale. Officers responded to the business, I'm not going to say the name of the business or, or tell you where it is, and observed 22 suspected marijuana plants for sale. The plants were labeled by strain and in some in- instances by THC concentration exceeding the percentage allowed for legally grown industrial hemp. Officers investigated the incident as a violation of Minnesota's newly enacted marijuana statutes and seized the plants based on probable cause. No arrests were made. The incident remains an ongoing in- investigation involving the Faribault Police Department and Cannon River Drug and Violent Offender Task Force in consultation with the Rice County Attorney's Office. And then there's a statement from Faribault uh, Chief of Police John Sherwin basically saying City of Faribault uh, and the Faribault Police Department are committed to uh, supporting uh, businesses that, that sell cannabis legally. But come on, you got to know the laws. <laughs> and uh, I, that... Um, I've heard you say putting the cart before the horse when talking about this a couple of times. 
that's putting the card before the horse right there. It it definitely is. And uh and I think that's I, I, a lot of people are confused. Yeah. You know, they hear that marijuana is legal and they say, "Okay, here we go. Let's go right. off to the races." And there is we haven't you and I haven't discussed this at all, so if it's putting you on the spot, I apologize. But uh the Red Lake Reservation in northern Minnesota has a dispensary that's up and running and it's legal, but that's a that's a sovereign nation tribal thing having nothing to do really with 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 the state of minnesota except for the fact that there's a blanket legalization do i have that uh, right yeah somewhat i mean they are a sovereign nation they make their yeah. own laws uh they're not subject to the minnesota laws yep uh they do cooperate in a lot of ways with the state of minnesota um, but that was a choice that that sovereign nation yeah. made similar to if a different state sure made that determination they could mm-hmm. do that right okay all right so um My first official question then. Put simply, when it comes to marijuana, THC, and cannabinoids, which are edibles and consumable uh, products, what is legal today? Um, So first of all, it's age 21 and older. Okay. Uh, So really mirroring mirroring, uh, alcohol. Sure. So have to be uh, age 21 or older to possess or transport up to two ounces of cannabis flour. Mm -hmm. So tried weed is how some would characterize that eight hours of a concentrate so similar to what folks use like in a vape pen type thing a concentrated type okay uh, so eight ounces wax or oil right uh eight grams oh eight grams okay that's that's an important distinction right it is yes and um 800 milligrams of edible product um so the gummies type Mm -hmm. of thing and edible um and that includes, for the edible product, that possession includes lower potency hemp-derived products. So if you have some of the uh, cannabinoids hemp-derived and you have some cannabis, the combination can only be 800 milligrams. Okay. So that's what you can possess. Um, the At their home, an adult age 21 or older mm-hmm. can possess up to two pounds of cannabis flour in their private residence. Okay. Um, and then they can grow in their home up to eight plants with no more than four being mature. And mm-hmm. so they've flowered and they're considered an adult plant um, at a single residence. Okay. So each person could grow up to eight, but yet at a single residence, there can only be eight total. Okay. So okay. if you and I are living together, we can't each have eight. There can uh, only be eight total, at a single residence. Just total. Okay. All right. Yep. Um, now, a couple things with, uh, we've had some growing questions already, yeah, and people yeah. are like, one of the things is, where can I get seeds? Well, right. seeds are governed by the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Okay. So there are labeling requirements like content and all that type of yeah. thing, and they have to, it has to be a licensed seed um, provider mm-hmm. from the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. So if folks have seeds at home, they can't just go sell those without mm-hmm. a license from the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. And licenses for uh, that aren't real expensive, right. but you would still have to have one. So do, does the Ag Department have those licenses in effect? It's my understanding they do. Okay. Um, but I, again, it's handled yeah. different than Office yeah. of Cannabis Management right, right. now, so right. that's a state question. Right. right. Um, and then one thing with growing is the plants must be grown in an enclosed, locked space that is not open to public view. So okay. you can't put them in your rain barrel growth container right. or front flower garden. Right. You can't have them in your even your fenced 
backyard, the chain link fence where it's visible. Okay. So it has to be uh, not open to public view and it has to be locked. Okay. So if I'm a farmer, I can't even do the old trick where I grow three rows of corn and, and, and then throw my, grow my four uh, weed plants behind that. I can't do that. Yeah, it has to be a locked space, okay. it says, so that would okay. qualify. All right, okay. Now, how does the law that is now in effect, which remains fairly ambiguous at the moment at least, how is that different from the law that was passed in uh, 2022, last year? Yeah, so 2022, that was the Cannabinoid Act, and that one applied strictly to hemp based THC. So scientifically, they mm-hmm. can determine where the hemp comes from. And so the only thing, or the THC comes from, and the only thing that was legal was hemp-based. Right. Um, and they restricted it to beverages and edibles Yes, on there. So it was very limited that those were the two forms. There wasn't any smoking. There wasn't any dried um, uh, cannabinoids allowed in that. Right, right. Now, <sighs> These these um, these products right now are licensed by local municipalities, right? And it's uh, as I understand it, the cannabinoid products. Yeah, yes, yeah. and it, it, again, if I'm putting you on the spot, I apologize. But is is this are are the, is that going to get folded into the uh, office of cannabis management at, at, at some point, or how's that, or yes. how's that all going to work? Yep, it, it will. So um, up until. Uh, this legislation changed. Uh, the Minnesota Board of Pharmacy was in charge of the okay. cannabinoid. That now is going to the Minnesota Department of Health to be char- in charge of cannabinoids right now. Okay. And once the Office of Cannabis Management is up and running, they will take it over permanently. So okay. all of it will be housed in there once that office is up and running. Okay. I, I didn't even realize that that there were any state departments that had gotten involved at, at, at this point. So, yes. okay. So that the department of health is now sort of is what they're, they're administering this. They this are. Situation. And they're investigating violations. If someone is okay. selling something they right. shouldn't, uh, or, or if there's uh, non Minnesota hemp, <laughs> now it's required to be grown in Minnesota. Right. So right. They, they will investigate any of those. Complaints. Okay. Okay. All right. So now we've talked a little bit about this, but what are, I mean, there's still, quite a few restrictions uh, on cannabis right now. And, and, and so what are the restrictions right now and how might we see those restrictions change over the next 18 months? Yeah, so um, a, a couple of the first ones, smoking is prohibited, uh, smoking of cannabis prohibited mm-hmm. anywhere that commercial tobacco is prohibited. So the Indoor Clean Air Act, any other place that it's, you're, you're prohibited from smoking, you're prohibited from Tobacco, prohibited right. from smoking tobacco, right. you're prohibited from smoking marijuana. Right. So that, 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 I think, is a first layer people need to be aware of. And then um, smoking or vaping adult-use cannabis products is prohibited in multifamily housing buildings. So if you have multifamily in there, so your duplex, yeah. fourplex, your apartment buildings, yeah. uh, condos, those type of things, uh, that would be prohibited inside the building. It is illegal. I live in a townhouse. I share a wall. It is illegal for me to smoke marijuana. It's illegal for me to smoke in my house. Yes. Okay. Um, and then uh, any cannabis use in a motor vehicle is prohibited on any public roadway. Okay. So uh, you can't 
smoke and drive, just like yeah. you can't drink and drive. Right, right. Um, and, and, or even sitting on the road, and you can't be in a parking spot and drink a beer. You can't be in a parking spot right. and smoke right. or any cannabis use, not just smoking. Um, for folks that are transporting, their mm-hmm. personal use amount, um, it has to be transported similar to alcohol. So a closed sealed container mm-hmm. in the trunk mm-hmm. or non-accessible area to the driver, which generally would mean like if you have a hatchback, it would be right. way in the back, right. you know, type if, of thing. If it's, if it's behind the driver's seat, is that considered accessible? Well, it wouldn't be accessible. I mean, okay. if it was, you know, I, I think of like in, in my car, if it was in the on the center hump behind the yeah. back seat, I could reach my hand right. back and grab right. it. So folks, best guidance is put it as far back as you can if you've right. got a hatchback st- yeah. type vehicle or in the trunk. Right. Um, so th- like I said, that follows alcohol laws. So I think most adults are familiar with what those mm-hmm. are. Um, the the state allowed very, very little local control on this. Okay. Um, and one thing they allowed uh, cities to ban is uh, use of cannabis in public. Okay. And Northfield has taken that action. Yep, yep. They had their first reading, their second we- reading on the ordinance is coming up uh, next week, and it'll go into effect right. then uh, at the end of the month. And um, that bans uh, use in, in public space just in a few a few places. And um, th- those are kind of spelled out in just uh, a few little sections here. And the um, main parts of it are... Um, that it'll be unlawful to use or consume cannabis flour, cannabis products, lower potency hemp edibles, hemp delivered consumer products in public places, including, but not limited to city owned sidewalks, streets, alleys, parking lots, uh, or parks. And that includes uh, all lands owned by the school district, um, including their you know, grounds, parks, mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, similar to alcohol. Yeah. Those places yeah. you can't use it, you still can't. So, in, in other words, if I'm in Northfield, I can't go down on the uh, Northfield Riverwalks at one of those uh, great Adirondack chairs we've got and, and, and line up a joint. You can't. No, cannot do that. Yeah. Yes. You can't stand outside of a business right. and, and smoke that type of thing. So, okay. there are some ex- exceptions on there. Um, and it it's just specifically, and this is, really comes guidance from the state on the ordinance to a, to the cities. but So a private residence, including the person's curtilage or yard, so in a private residence you mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. Uh, use. Um, and private property not generally accessible to the public um, unless the person is explicitly prohibited from consuming there. So let's say you have a business um, property or just a private property and you allow people to use on mm-hmm. the property, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if... But they can also prohibit that too. Okay. And and then if it would be a, a premise or an establishment of an of a event that's licensed by the Office of Cannabis Management, mm-hmm. people would be allowed to use mm-hmm. there as well. Mm-hmm. So if you have a business that once they get to giving licenses on business yeah, where yeah. consumption is allowed, sure, then you'd be allowed to use there. And, but you know, again, you're going to be restricted to um, you know indoors or restricted away from indoor spaces. So you'd have to like. If I wanted to, you know, in the future, if I wanted to set up a a, a pot bar, right, I'd have to have a, a patio or something like that that would that where people could actually smoke it outside. And that's all regulated through the licenses that the state okay. gives out. 
Okay. Yep. Okay. Um, I had another question. Uh, it'll come back to me. So one other part of the city ordinance that the city yeah. amended, and that was the city's social host ordinance. So the law that makes it illegal to host a party and allow underage drinking, mm -hmm. they expanded it to include all cannabis products too. Okay. So, um, you know, just one of those things beware of. And yep. um, just like you shouldn't be providing right. or allowing a space where juveniles or underage right. people could consume alcohol, the same thing would apply to cannabis. Okay. Um, it should be noted, folks, that this law is brand spanking new, and it's only been, uh, it's like the chief pointed out, it's only been 60 days since. Uh, so he, he's referring to, to notes on this thing. That's, that's how new this legislation <laughs> is. I mean, we're just, it's, it's, nobody's a true expert yet. I mean, you're, you're the closest thing we've got there at this point, so I appreciate this. Okay, so that's... What about potency? Is there, are, are, do you, are, are, are there, like, how do we put this? Like, how strong can my weed be, I guess? Yeah, so that's all governed by the Office of Cannabis Management for okay. businesses and for, um, you know, they have a variety of businesses and we have... Um, cultivators and manufacturers and yeah. that there's language in the in the bill that covers that and how it's to be labeled and potency is one right. of those right. type of things um currently the biggest one we have is or that i can speak about is um on your cannabinoids mm -hmm. you know they have a 0.5 milligram per dose type of thing and beverages can only have two doses per container type of thing so it's not really clear how they're going to yeah. do that with the others if they're going to limit how many in a package right. or that right. type of thing so we'll see what comes out of um, some of that um, legislation or some of the more regulation i sure. guess from the office of cannabis management it's i mean there's there's a lot yet to be determined i mean i haven't seen hardly any uh, any legislation at all when it comes to manufacturing and, and you know, high volume uh, growth and, and, and things like that. Have, have, have you seen anything to that? There is some language in the bill that describes uh, the size of the operation and how it uh, is qualified as a micro business, a meso business, manufacturer, retailer, wholesaler, transporter, all these different yeah. things. Um, and there is language that describes each of those in there. But uh, yeah, a lot of that is going be, um, to be handled by the Office of Cannabis Management and right. there will certainly be more right. guidance. In fact, if folks want to look up the information that the state has available right now, um, the state does have a website that's up and running and it is cannabis.mn.gov. Cannabis, I've had to learn how to spell cannabis, C-A-N-N-A-B-I-S. Correct. Dot M-N dot gov. Correct. Okay. All right. For our listeners out there, you're listening to Public Policy This Week on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. I'm Rich Larson. I'm talking with Northfield Chief of Police Mark Elliott about the Adult Use Cannabis Act that legalized marijuana in the state of Minnesota this week. All right. One of the reasons I've been hounding you <laughs> so much to, to, to come and talk to me about this stuff is that you and I have had conversations both on and off the air about legalization and you have made no secret of the fact that you have some concerns. Um, most often I've heard you talk about public safety aspects uh, of marijuana when it comes to driving. Can you talk about the problems that you see there? 
Yeah, that, that's been my number one concern with with the legalization, just because um, in, in my work, mm-hmm. I see the negative results of people's actions. And, yeah. um, some of those related to marijuana currently. Um, and traffic safety is is one of the big ones that uh, that I'm concerned about. And um, over the last several years, I've been involved in uh, some at least discussions about the potential for this legislation coming through. And one of the resources that I've looked at is um, the Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area, mm-hmm. or Rocky Mountain Haida, um, out of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, marijuana, adult use marijuana, has been legal in in Colorado since 2013 and the um, drug trafficking uh, arena has uh, done quite a bit of research on what different effects are um, of those changes and that includes stuff like traffic fatalities and impaired driving, mm-hmm. marijuana use, public health, um, the continued black market that has been uh, going on in Colorado yep. um, and some of those societal impacts mm-hmm. and um, so looking at some of that information and seeing some of those results that are negative um, has me concerned and uh, one of them is the traffic deaths um, that have occurred and what uh, Colorado experienced from 2013 to 2020 was an increase in uh, Drivers who tested positive for marijuana um, that were involved in traffic deaths uh, increased by 138 percent. Wow. Um, and while all Colorado traffic deaths during that time increased 29 percent. So it really saw a lot of increase on those where marijuana was involved. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one of the results was uh, percent of traffic deaths where the operator um, tested positive for marijuana, and it went from 15% of those that tested mm-hmm. positive to 24%. Mm-hmm. So they had, there was actually some halves in there. It's about 9.5% increase okay. um, in the number of vehicles or number of drivers that were um, involved in a traffic death. So that could be their death mm-hmm. or the death of others mm-hmm. while they were driving increased about nine and a half percent. So, um, and this was shared with our local legislators that mm-hmm. that was a concern I had, and I don't want to see a 10% increase in, mm-hmm. uh, in that here in our, in our state. Um, but one of the other things that they measured was those operators that had combinations of drugs or, um, let's say poly impairment where there's more than just alcohol in, involved or more than just marijuana. And um, of those uh, where marijuana was involved in the traffic deaths, 34% were marijuana only. Um, and the rest of it had either marijuana, alcohol, marijuana, and other drugs with no alcohol or marijuana, other drugs and alcohol. Wow. So, um, you know, that combination is worrisome and, for someone driving and especially you know these this first year i'm really concerned with people who um combine alcohol and marijuana Mm -hmm. and that combination and not having an understanding of how it affects them right and then getting behind the wheel right um i'm really really concerned about that um it's one of those that uh, you know i'm i would highly advise people that if they think that they're going to combine these somehow that they make sure that they do it in an environment where they have uh, you know people around 
right. in case they have medical issues, right, right. but also one where there is no possibility they could get behind the wheel or make that decision of, ah, it's only two, I think I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, I really don't want people to get hurt as a result of some of these actions. To this point, before we legalized, has there been a specific law about driving under the influence of THC? I mean, I, 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 of course, there, there's a law about it, but like, are there specific penalties? Is there, is, are there things attached to that, or is it just sort of under the umbrella of DUI? It, it's driving under the influence, whether it's alcohol or other drugs. Okay. And Minnesota's had that law. That law hasn't okay. changed. Right. Um, there's not a specific test limit, like yep. you have a .08 for alcohol. Right. Science has not kept up with what we're seeing socially. Right. Um, I know they're working on it. And some of the articles I've read on some of the research of testing equipment and impairment um, looks promising in the three to five years from now. Three to five years. But they're still in research phase, so we're a ways away from that. Yeah, yeah. And and so there is, and that's something that probably we can't stress too much when, when we talk about your concerns, is there's nothing to measure against when it comes to how high are you. Right. I mean, how much THC do you have in your system? How we don't know how to determine that yet, do we or do we? Well, not in the same way as alcohol with a definitive test and what, you know, they refer to in court is prima facie evidence. So if you're over point eight, the law says you're considered to be legally intoxicated on alcohol. Right. It doesn't matter if you. um you know, can say the alphabet really good when you're a point oh eight. Um, they've said the we've determined that this is an amount that is just unsafe. Yeah. We don't have that for drugs and alcohol or, or for other drugs. So what it on the case of a DWI, what it comes down to is the officer testifying to the driving behavior mm-hmm. and conduct and the way the person is able to control or not control themselves mm-hmm. um, to demonstrate to the court that the person was impaired. Sure. And so that part isn't changing. Okay. Um, the state, along with the changes they made, they did put money in for training of additional officers throughout the state to be drug recognition evaluators, okay. um, which we have one officer in Northfield that is now, and we have another one that's going to be going to one of the mm-hmm. classes that the mm-hmm. state pays for mm-hmm. um, here soon. But it's, it's three weeks of training. Um, uh-huh. And so the state pays for the training. I still pay for the officer to go to the training. Yeah, and you're, and you're without an officer for, for three weeks. And by the way, you are not fully staffed to begin with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, <laughs> although, and every other agency in the state is dealing with the same thing. So right. we're trying to play catch up in this. Right. Um, and that's, you know, some of those things are where when I talk, uh, I say the phrase of cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. That, that That's one of my concerns is I, I feel like, okay, if you want to pass this, that's fine. But can you make it? three years from now Mm -hmm. so we can get officers trained we can get the public educated Mm -hmm. we can get office of cannabis management up and running Mm -hmm. so when we're ready to do this all these things are in place and so people can be educated sure in the public like you just read about Faribault someone who thought oh I'm good to go yeah so that's where I feel like there's a little bit of rush um I feel I understand proponents of it are like why if we're going to make it legal why would we wait let's just do this and uh, I'm responsible and it's not going to be a problem we know we're going to have problems with right, it. Right. So that, okay. that's where that comes from. I just want to make sure that I, I, I understand this right. Short of a, short of a, a, of a breathalyzer, right, there are still, yeah, I mean, you can still uh, 
do a field sobriety test and determine if so if in your you know professional opinion if somebody is under the, the influence of thc that, that's still so there are what i refer to as stupid human tricks there are still those things that can be done for for police to ascertain or at least determine for themselves if this person is under the influence or not correct okay. yeah certainly you know decision making yep balance coordination all of those factors play into being able to drive open bag of doritos next to them does that <laughs> i don't that's that's not an indicator rich okay <laughs> just need to make sure okay. <laughs> and certainly their driving conduct right. um and you know our officers with squad cameras and body cameras are going to have evidence of you know the weaving driver or that type of thing um that they're going to be able to play in court as well as the um, field sobriety tests and mm -hmm. uh, and that type of thing. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, our officers still do have tools available, and they're going to be doing their best to determine if people are impaired and take those okay. impaired drivers off the road. Right, right. And the, and, and the message here is if you are going to uh, um, imbibe, just don't get behind the wheel, period. End of conversation. Absolutely. Right? Okay. Uh, you're listening to Public Policy This Week on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting from downtown Northfield, Minnesota. I'm Rich Larson, talking with Northfield Chief of Police Mark Elliott about the new cannabis laws in Minnesota. All right. Um, when when do sales start and and what type of businesses can sell these products and what needs to happen before things are up and running? Okay, the date that they can sell is the date that the Office of Cannabis Management determines they can sell. Okay. I think the legislation says no later than March of 2025. Okay. I've heard a goal of by January 1, 2025. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's a lot that needs to go into that. And, you know, we start with some of those license types of cultivator or manufacturer. So mm -hmm. people they are going to grow to be able to right. sell. right. Um, those types of businesses need to get up and running and have product. I have to ask you this question. Will, well, we'll get into dispensaries in a second, but will licensed retailers be able to sell product that has not grown in Min or created in Minnesota? I don't know the answer to okay. that. Okay. I know, because I, I've specifically read the language about hemp Yep. in Minnesota. I would assume that they would... I know the Department of Agriculture was a big part of this, and uh, our representative, Christy Purs mm -hmm. Purcell, uh, sits on the Ag Committee, and I know that was something she talked about, yep. is wanting to make sure that our, our farmers are ones who are profiting from right. this. Right. I don't know the answer, though. Okay. All right. I put you on the spot there, and I apologize. All right. So uh, so the, the Office of Cannab Cannabis Management has to get itself together first. I haven't even heard... I mean, I know they're taking applications for an administrator, but that, like that's the most I've heard about. I, I I would have thought they would have wanted to be further along than they are by now. Yeah, I I know they're taking applications, going there, and then they'll be hiring. I I don't remember where I heard it, but I heard somewhere they're looking at uh, having an office of staffed of approximately a hundred people. Okay. So I mean, that's a lot that they got to get up and yeah. running, and people doing their job and. Um, all of that type of thing. So, and then, um, you know, the different license types in there. So we got our 
retailer, wholesaler, and then transporters, testing facilities. So those all have to be licensed yeah. by that. And then we start getting into the micro or meso business. So that's based on size of the business. They have mm-hmm. some different restrictions. Mm-hmm. I know that within all of uh, all of these areas, they that the state has put um, some goals in there. Uh, I would say like diversity, equity type goals mm-hmm. um, in there. So I think there'll be a lot of vetting and um, deciding who's going to get a license when multiple people apply. And then there's a little bit of local control on that, but really right. it's all licensed through the state. It is, and I, I don't know if you can speak to this or not. It's my understanding that they have looked at, well, for, let me ask you about expunging uh, of records. I don't know how much you know about that. I know that there's an, an expunging of records component to this law, but I don't know much more than that. Yeah, an expungement is handled through the court system. So I just, I know yeah. a little bit of yeah, what yeah. I've read in the, in the law um, and we won't be involved in that at all. Right. Um, but uh, there's going to be automatic expungement for low level cannabis convictions um, over the last, I don't even know how many years it is. Mm-hmm. It's going back a period of time though. Mm-hmm. And those are going to be handled through uh, BCA, criminal record division, state courts, and it'll automatic they'll just notify people that you know if you had a, a misdemeanor possession yeah, of small amount of that's marijuana you just go away for those that are possession crimes but larger mm-hmm. felony level possession crimes there is a review committee and a review process for that it, okay and you don't know if that's an automatic thing or if I have to, if, I, if someone would have to apply for that uh it's not automatic i okay. know there's review but i don't know if the courts are reviewing those sure um just individually right um or if it's a petition again yeah, that's through yeah, the court again but yeah. cannabis mn ah, cannabis.mn.gov <laughs> i think we'll have your answer on okay there. all right and this i'm not going to ask you to speak to but i it's my also my understanding that there is a component in there for licensing where if you are someone who was convicted of a low-level offense and have has had your license expunged, you do get special consideration for getting a license. As I, and and, and those, it works into the the uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, stuff you were talking about. But I I'm not totally clear on that either. So, okay, um, what is a dispensary? Yeah, um, so. Dispensary is a term used in a lot of states as a place that's legally licensed to sell cannabis. Um, Minnesota, by uh, state statute and by the legislation that was passed, doesn't include that as a defined business. It does not. So um, I don't doubt that some will advertise that they run a dispensary because that's what people know it is. Right. Um, But... uh, they def- define the type of licenses differently than okay. dispensary. Okay. So I don't, uh, well, again, more more than I should be asking you, but if I run a tobacco shop and I get my license, I don't have to like turn myself into a dispensary. Because as I understand, a dispensary's got, there are, there are levels of security with a dispensary and you have to, and that's just not going to be the case in Minnesota. Or uh, is it? Uh, well, I think that there are levels of security that are required and okay. i believe that the businesses to be licensed also have to be uh brick and mortar and standalone yeah 
So the okay. parking lot tent that you yeah. talked about earlier, <laughs> uh, I don't think the state's going to license that. Right. Um, although they will allow cannabis events. Oh. So I'm, again, I wasn't involved in creating this, but no. I'm assuming what they mean is like they would have like a cannabis festival. Okay. And they, you could sample or use cannabis at sure, the festival. Sure, set up, in a, set up in a field or somewhere like yeah. that or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, and okay. So one of my questions here is, is, is uh, will selling plants in a parking lot tent ever be legal to, <laughs> at, at Minnesota? Maybe is the answer to that question. Maybe. Um, yeah, I don't think as a official licensed business, I think maybe as an event yep. it yep. would be. Do you know much about... Um, how this is going to be taxed and how the tax revenue affects does it does it does the tax revenue affect does that revenue go to law enforcement how how does that work yeah so um they they spelled it out fairly clearly that there's going to be a 10% tax in addition to state and local taxes so it'll be a you'll still have to pay sales tax mm -hmm. of whatever that is mm -hmm. where you're purchasing and then there'll be a 10% cannabis tax that 10% will go to the state of Minnesota. Okay. Of that 10%, 80% of that will go to the state general fund. Okay. And then 20% will go through local government aid. How that 20% formula is divvied out, I don't know. Um, I think it's probably based on the number of businesses you have in your jurisdiction mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. area. Um, so that's how it would go. But it would go to the government, not to law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Go to the city to just determine or the county to determine how they mm -hmm. they use that. Okay. All right. So then here in Northfield, yep. um, what, what, what has Northfield done locally as far as regulation goes? Um, so like I talked about earlier, we have some use restrictions. Uh, so um, not using in public. But the other uh, things that local governments can look at, uh, they can't ban them, mm -hmm. but they can, uh, based on other um, factors as far as location. Sure. So you're like not next to a school, yeah. so far from a park. So they can create certain zones where not in a residential yeah. zoning district. Yeah. So um, so I know the city's working on that right now right. Um, to look at where are possible areas where a business could operate. Right. Okay. So, so they'll look at that. Um, and then they can uh, limit the number of retailers to one for every 12,500 residents. Um, it doesn't say they have to limit. Okay. But they, can but they can limit. But there's also a reference in that law to the number there are within a county. Okay. So you could have a situation where, uh, you know, you have a, a, a county that has a lot of businesses maybe in one part of the county. Mm -hmm. And so another area, another area of the county could maybe say, there's a, we have enough in the county wide, so right. we don't need one in ours. Right. Type of thing. So... If, uh, uh, just to put this in um, a little more concrete, let's sixty. Let, just to pull a number of, I don't know, sixty thousand people in Rice County. Yep. And Faribault decides that they're going to offer, they're going to issue five licenses. Okay, that's 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 roughly you know, yep. twelve thousand. Um, so Northfield, looking at that number, Northfield would be able to say, yeah, we don't, we're not going to issue any licenses. There's plenty in Rice County. I believe so. Again, okay. that's going back to the Office of Canvas Management will be yep, in charge yep, of that. Yep. But looking at the um, 
the statute as it was passed does reference to make reference to the number within a county mm-hmm. um, okay. and uh, not having to um, have one in every city basically okay. which the 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 law is really specific that you can't just say no you can't have them here type of thing right. Right. and um, I have heard some discussion that some of that was based out of access and equity um, because like in Colorado municipalities can uh, can opt, opt out, out right and about 60 per, 66% of them do oh, so is that two, right two-thirds of the communities in Colorado have opted out and said we don't want to okay. and uh, I know one of the discussion points there has been <clears throat> frequently of I'm in this rural area and my three counties around me don't allow it and I have to drive 180 miles to be able to you know to buy it right. uh, cannabis so it's not fair to me yeah. um, and so that was some of the discussion or testimony yeah. I heard at the legislature about yeah. why they didn't want um, municipalities to be able to just completely ban right. them right right and I do know that, that they are they're allowing municipalities to put a moratorium on everything until January first, twenty twenty five. Yes, and Dundas, our the city to our our south has done that. Yep, because they just they're just going to wait for everything to figure get figured out, which makes a lot of sense to me. Well, and that you know I've heard that from some other city leaders from other cities yeah. discussion, or I've seen you know news stories or read or, t- or talked to other city leaders, and they've said there's just because there's so much uncertainty mm-hmm. in all of this right yeah. now. Yeah. Until we can see in concrete terms what mm-hmm. this is going to look like, it's just really hard to make a good pu- public policy decision on this. Yes. So, so we we want to wait. Right. And you have other cities that say we're talking about an intoxicant that we we feel very comfortable in how we regulate mm-hmm. alcohol, and mm-hmm. for the last year how we've regulated uh, edible cannabinoid mm-hmm. products. Mm-hmm. And I think we can probably figure out out it as we go so just different comfort levels i would say between those policy makers uh you your department has been uh tasked with the uh um the responsibility of 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 regulating and 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 uh checking in on uh edible uh uh, retailers at this point how has that gone for for the the uh, your your police department yeah, we are responsible for that and uh, responsible for compliance checks. Yes, that's, to make. What, that, that's the phrase yep. I was looking for. So uh, we do compliance checks where we send an underage operative in yep. to go and attempt to purchase. Um, and it's, I hear people talk about the sting operation yeah, and stuff yeah. like this. It's, I'm a former bartender. That's yeah. what we call it, man. <laughs> yep. But it, it's really, um, it's a compliance check. And yeah. I, I think that term describes it well because the people we send in have an ID mm-hmm. that says that they're underage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're instructed to be honest with their age, and if they're asked, mm-hmm. "How old are you?" They say, and they're nineteen. They say, "I'm 19. Yeah. And if they ask for ID, they show it to them. Right. And that says they're nineteen. Right. So we're really just trying to keep the hands alcohol out of the hands of minors. And in the case of cannabinoids, and now going to cannabis, we're going to try to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for the cannabinoids, when the law first came in, and we had our first um, applicants for it. Um, we had our compliance officer go and make an initial visit, say, what's your inventory, what's your product, and go through it with them to make sure everything they had was legal. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a couple questions on it. We had some out-of-state stuff that was there that we needed to clarify with yeah. them, and they're like, well, I, I could 
purchase it on the internet. And it's like, well, you can purchase a lot of things on the internet. It doesn't mean it's legal. Um, or through my regular supplier, you know, type right. of thing. Right. Um, and it's like, well, that this is a law now, so we got to be sure. So, yeah. but um, the retailers are really good about, thanks for helping me understand yep. and type of thing. And we haven't had any issues since okay. then. All right. Another question about your procedures. Um, state of Minnesota, the legislature this year passed literally dozens of laws and many of them went into effect on Tuesday. And there's a, there's a lot that, that some, some are just, you know, uh, regulatory, but, but some of them affect you guys directly. How much time in your preparation for August 1st, how much time have you had to allocate to the cannabis laws versus everything else? I would say we've done more. Yeah. Um, Part of it is because it's brand new and just so different. Yeah. Uh, you know, they they made a law that uh, possessing a uh, catalytic converter yeah. without proof of ownership is <laughs> is against the law. I was all about that law. Yes. <laughs> it, I brought it up. I realize you've been a victim of that crime. Um, Jerks. But <laughs> So that one, pretty easy for my staff to understand. Sure. You know, right. it, it's like we have other things that it's illegal to possess without proof of ownership. And they just added this one. Yeah. Um, so those type of things, some of those laws will still require some time to make sure our officers know what those changes are. This being brand new and so many different dynamics and different times and time frames when things are, are allowed um, and different weights and different yeah. and different forms of measurements, like right. just in the possession right we have ounces and we have grams yeah and yeah you know, okay so how much ounce grams and yeah. having to do that math all right. the time is right so that, that's been a little difficult i would say um and certainly used up some more time i mean i've spent a lot of hours i'm sure uh, well over 100 uh, i would mm-hmm. say over the last couple months right. spending just on this and uh, have done a training session for all our officers. We mm-hmm. had about a four hour training session with all new laws and updates and talking about cannabis. Okay. All right. Well, uh, with public policy this week, we always like to give our guests the last word. <laughs> so what, uh, what, what did we miss? What, uh, what should we be talking about with this stuff that, that you and I didn't discuss? You know, I, th- I think there's, um, I guess two points. One is a public safety part and just, yeah. you know, if if folks are going to use, if they have friends are going to use that type of thing, um, for a lot of folks that are law-abiding but yet still would like to try, may, and maybe they tried when they were in high school a long yep. time ago, like yep. you or I, yep. it might be a different potency. Yeah. <laughs> um, Probably is. Yeah. So just um, use responsibly. Um, wade into this. Don't jump into the deep end. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, if you're unsure on the laws, ask. You call our office. Mm-hmm. Your local law enforcement should mm-hmm. be able to help you. The state should be able to help you. Yeah. Look it up online, um, and and just do what you can to to abide by the law on that. Um, I think uh, as far as I know, there's some folks out there that are just really against the public use and like mm-hmm. I don't want to smell it. I don't want exposed to my kids mm-hmm. that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, for those folks that are using, I just say just keep in mind other people. You know, yep. similar to tobacco, right. and you know, if you're going to use, maybe not around other people, right? It, it, there's there, there's just common manners when it comes to this stuff, and yes, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so so those are some big ones with us, and then just uh, 
folks be patient if you want to get in the business <laughs> you'll have your opportunity yes. you'll be able to apply to the office of cannabis management and uh, have an opportunity i know we got a lot of enthusiastic entrepreneurs around there there's some selling in the parking lot in Faribault, right yeah <laughs> um and then i think the last part just is um sales without a license are still going to be illegal i know that was a big part of um i would say the black market sales yep. and yep. uh the investigations into those uh, in Colorado, mm -hmm. since it was legalized, mm -hmm. have gone up, not down. Yeah. You would think with that many more places where you can legally buy it, that right. there would be less illegal sales. But we're seeing diversion uh, you know, from cultivators, from businesses, um, to other areas of the country, that type of thing. We still have our drug task force out working all different oh, sure. crimes. Uh, obviously, fentanyl is big, and we're really looking at that. By volume, meth is the highest volume for mm -hmm. our drug task force. Mm -hmm. um, but marijuana is right in there, and I don't expect that that's going to change, uh, especially over the next year before when you have people that want to use legally but can't right. buy legally. That's right. that's going to create a void, and it's going to create a problem. Yeah. Um, so my advice for folks is don't sell. Yeah. Um, you're going to end up in trouble legally yeah you guys are in for a busy year and a half here and uh <laughs> i don't envy you man this is going to be this is going to be an interesting time it will yeah it'll be an adventure like oh. it always is <laughs> well god bless you sir and once again folks for as much information as you're going to be able to find visit cannabis.mn.gov that's c-a-n-n-a-b-i-s.mn.gov all right mark thanks for being here today we really do appreciate the time Happy to be here. All right. Folks, that's going to conclude this edition of Public Policy This Week. We are on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1 each Friday morning from 10 to 11 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. Have a fantastic afternoon and a superb weekend. Take care. You've been listening to Public Policy This Week. Tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for more conversation with policy experts. Remember, this show can be found on your favorite podcast platform or stream it from kymnradio.net.